Hello. Hey, Marilyn. How are you? I'm very well, Dan. How are you? Is this the show? This is it. Is everything all right? Yeah, it's good. That's, uh, the yeah. water was still boiling. Oh. oh. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm pretty good. <sighs> I just learned a really good distinction. Okay. There's that book, the J.D. Vance book, Hillbilly Elegy. And I said to myself, I said, hmm, I wonder what the difference is between an elegy and a eulogy. And there is a difference. All right. I'm, a eulogy I'm is a laudatory speech usually given at a funeral. An elegy is a mournful poem or song or other work of art written about someone who has recently died. Huh. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm telling you this. Okay. I don't have that. I don't have that much. I haven't prepared that much. How's your week been? Pretty good. I have a little bit of follow up. We can start with that since we're. Um... Is it my second bullet? Number one was elegy versus eulogy. My second bullet is Dan's Apple TV problem. Yeah. Um, so. you had a problem where you could not get Mr. Robot uh, shows to play on your Apple TV. That's right. Uh, the, um, the latest season, which is season three, I was able to watch the first episode of that on the Apple TV. And then after that, no, mm. none of the other ones. Then the way that I've been able to do it is to play it on my iPad and stream it to the Apple TV. That works fine. And everyone had suggestions that varied from, um, rebooting it, etc., wiping it, reinstalling everything, which is not going to happen, all the way to, well, just play it on another device and that should fix it. Well, it turns out none of the solutions short of a complete uh, factory reset or or wipe and reinstall, which I'm not going to do for a lot of reasons, uh, anything short of that has not worked. (laughs) But I have heard from many people who have told me that they have the same exact problem and it's with Mr. Robot. It is not with any Whoa. other shows. It is just Mr. Robot that seems to have this problem. And uh, I've gotten emails about it. I've gotten tweets about it. And in fact, there is one person who said, uh, guess what? Um, there's actually a thread about this, which I'll try to put into the show notes if I can uh, find. I'm trying to find it. It's mostly links to pirated versions that I can find. But is, there, is it on the Apple site? Um yeah, the email, if I can, if I, I might've deleted it, but I'll, I'll dig it up and maybe after the show, I'll put it into the show notes. But yeah, there apparently is a thread talking about people trying to play it on their Apple TV and it not working. And there's lots of people on, and who, uh, who responded to me on Twitter who's saying, yeah, it's, I have the same problem and I can't fix it and nothing I can do can fix it. And one of the theories, which, uh, by the way, I do not subscribe to this theory at all. Uh, uh, but if it's my theory, well, well, let's hear it. One of the theories is as as you know as a fan of mr robot the episode names are weird and the episode names have like uh they're like underscores and symbols and other things in them that are sort of hackish and hackery and uh and people were saying i wonder if it's because that's the the title i'm I'm going to say no as a software developer uh, familiar with things like UTF-8. I'm going to say that the, the folks over at Apple are smart enough that that wouldn't be the reason why, that you can name an episode of anything, anything you want with any characters in it, and that it's going to play just fine. And if that's the error, and that's the reason why it's having the problem, a- Apple should be beyond uh, embarrassed and ashamed of themselves, and they should stop producing apple tvs right now if that's the cause of it i don't believe it that's mine's way crazier than that mine was that it's part of the show uh and it's in an episode <laughs> that you can't see or that hasn't aired yet that you got hicked but right. uh, but I, I that is a very interesting 
So that would be a case of not controlling out or normalizing or just basically quote putting in quotes, right? Yeah. You should be behind the scenes. You should be able to, because like, for example, in fireside, um, you know, we have people in all different languages from all different countries, um, using, using it. And because it supports UTF eight, they can put in any kind of character or symbol or anything that they want as a title or in a description. It, It doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want. And so, if I'm if I as a lone mostly lone developer am able to code that, I feel like Apple's guys should be able to do that pretty fine. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I, I think it's not this is like computing 101 in 2017. So uh, okay, yeah. so what? Do but if you that's remember- the error, it could be it could be that. But why would it work on my iPad just fine? I don't know. Well, let's what um, do you remember about? Around about which episode it started giving you a problem? Oh, uh, the first episode of season three. It played that one fine, but ever since is, then, is dot is dot h source code? Isn't dot h source code for uh like isn't it like a header include thing? It is, yeah. I think it's that's a header X3. include in C. three underscore power dash saver dash mode dot h. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't you know. think it's trying to interpret? You think it's trying to interpret? No, <laughs> is that even possible? It shouldn't be. No. Well, let's take it. Let's take a tri- trip down memory lane. <laughs> I just did a quick search, and this is the first result I found for this very memorable thing that happened in Diggity, September 2010. You remember that there was a Twitter account called Bleep. My father says yes. My dad says yes. S H I T stuff. My dad says yes. S H I T. My dad says. And now I have to spoil this for you. This, this series did not really catch on very well. It did not, I don't think it had much in the way of legs. Uh, but the really interesting thing that happened, and this is a time when I was a very uh, aggressive TiVo user. <laughs> I, I hadn't taped this. Or I, I had thought you were going to say aggressive teenager. First. I was a very aggressive teenager. <laughs> no, I, I had in school suspension almost all the time. It was really bad. I was, I was 35. Um, uh, so the way that they, first of all, let me just say this. I, I, I'm already embarrassed that I'm sitting here spelling out a curse word. You either curse or you don't, right? right. Don't, don't put an asterisk in a word. If you, if you can't print it, don't say it. That's, don't do that. Like, I, I never feel like more of a cheesy weasel <laughs> than when I say, F dash 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 me, aren't I cute? I made a bad word but didn't have to say it so of course they couldn't say S-H-I-T on a cbs tv show so they yosemite <laughs> sammed it by making it into are you ready for this can you guess what the first character was no was it s well what's a good what's a good replacement for an s uh dollar sign dollar sign pound <laughs> asterisk exclamation point my dad says uh-huh and that created problems for your TiVo? TiVo, TiVo couldn't record it. It thought it was a variable. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. it's possible. It, like I said, I don't subscribe to this theory. Uh, it, it seems like something that's just too basic. Oh, come on. You've got to at least to turn it over in your mind a little. Come on. You're watching this goddamn show. No, I still, I I don't. still haven't gotten into this season. I'm really behind. But but you love this show. Okay, uh, so here's the thing. I found, I found the... Uh, note it's it's i thought it might have been in an apple forum it's in the mac rumors forum uh where there are multiple people in this forum saying that they have the same exact problem um 
and uh and and not a lot of people but there's three or four people who have said yes i have the same problem with mr robot oh my um, god I had this issue for weeks <laughs> oh same here with season three of big bang theory interesting yeah so now, just... the, after the original post the first response is from uh from a from a reader uh-huh. i won't say the reader's name uh and the reader says three words and, and a question mark yeah i took apple support which, of course, the person already mentioned they had done. Uh, I think this is probably the same person that's on every next door post saying, <laughs> did you inform the police? <laughs> right. I said no one was supposed to be in the area. Oh. I got this fake PG&E thing on my door. Contact Apple support. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> right. Oh, thank you. Did you try Googling it? Mm. Well, uh, for, mm. you I know, hope you're not canceling a lot of important things to be here on the Mac Rumors uh, forum today. There are there are a lot of people who um, who ask questions without googling it first. So. I know, I know, I know, but it's like TSA, right? There's a reason that TSA is my hell job. As I said before, TSA is my hell job for a variety of reasons. But the one, whenever I'm standing in line, I, it's the one time I feel really bad for TSA people. They're standing in line here. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, please all liquids, no more than three ounces. It's very important that you not try to have a bottle of water. Please, please check to see if you have a bottle of water. And one out of five people forgot they have a bottle of water. No matter how many times that poor bastard says this over and over and over again, there will never not be people who are bringing in water. Yeah. Right. And so what can you do? You either get more strident and now you're ineffective and kind of a dick, or maybe you try to get clever with it. And I think that's the situation. I mean, yes, it is true. There are many things that can be Googled and there are some kinds of things that are so obvious. I mean, I, I still forget uh, to, to Google for things, but I don't think that's a very, I've, I've stopped doing that. Let me Google that for you. It's not, that's not a nice thing to do. Communication is about more than precision about finding things. Sometimes we're just communicating to talk to each other. Anyway, I don't know why I turned it that way, but uh, you, you, don't be that guy. Contact Apple support. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, I am uh, going to – I'm going to stick. Uh, just because it's the long bet, the crazy bet, the long odds, I'm going to guess it's something with the way that it's titled. And, and I'm going to even say it may not be in the present, – not presentation layer, but it may not be in the UI that you're seeing. It could be in the way that it's being stored mm-hmm. such that one character in that is not controlled out and therefore it's not a match to pull it up. It, so it, it make it pushed be, out. It could oh, it's be. such a good answer, Dan. Come on. It's such a good answer. It is a great answer and I'm, I'm – maybe I'm unwilling to – Maybe I'm giving Apple too much credit and and thinking that with such a basic issue that this is something they would have thought of. Mm-hmm. But who, who knows? Who knows? Well, who knows? Smarty Pants, you're so good at this. How about we make the title of episode <gasps> Diggity 353 of your program, okay. EPS 3.0 underscore power dash saver dash mode I, dot H. Let's do it and we'll see. No, that's not a good title. I'll, I'll put it on my list. Dan, if people want to learn more about uh, this episode of your Back to Work program, where, where would they find show notes for that? Ah, they would go to 5x5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 is in the number, W is in workman mm. slash 353. Mm. Oh, that's good eating. The.gz.so.par2. Got to fix your pars. 
R-O-O. We could use uh, that style. Oh, yeah. We, oh, we can make a funny. We could make a funny for yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going I'm to pray on that. Uh, <laughs> dot, dot, dot R00 would be a, uh, a file that's broken up into pieces, right? Uh, like a, a RAR, the, a RAR file. Yeah, I think it could be. That. They've got a RAR here, but this is a dot R dot R zero zero. No, that wouldn't be right. Nah. I don't know what that oh, is. Dot ko dot torrent. Oh god! <laughs> oh god! Let's look forward to December thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. Shutdown space dash R. Oh, that's yeah. Mm. It's a good mm. season, though. I'll tell you that this is a good one. I mean, uh, the first episode or two was uh, okay but the, ever since then they've been great i can't it's on my list i keep a little um apple notes file of the tv that i want to watch in the order that i want to watch it and for i guess this must be eight weeks now i've had this like go back and finish watching number one and go back through because people seem to really like it that's a good one yeah 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 but anyway, oh, I was I was astounded that, that there's a, but but there's a lot of people who aren't having the issue too so it you would think that if hmm. it is a really a bug in this way, it should be reproducible. In other words, if yeah. it really is the title of the show, it would break the same way for everybody all the time. Every it would, so, be, it would be such it would be such a big problem that they certainly would have heard about it. That's now. right. That's right. So, because I'm hmm. not the only person with this Apple TV, and you would I'm not the only person with this Apple TV. And who also watches Mr. Robot and who got it on iTunes and wants to watch it. There's lots of other people in the same exact situation as me, perhaps even my next door neighbor, uh, hmm. but they're not having the problem. Uh, so I, that's why I'm, I'm thinking it's not the title, but who knows? All right. I'll allow it. Ah. Thank you for the update. I was really hoping my, my, my trick would work, but now I have a feeling it's something uh, deeper in the stack, closer to the metal, as, as John Syracuse would say. Yeah, but I'm not willing to do a complete wipe no. and reinstall. That's well, nonsense. I mean, if there were an easy, I mean, I guess if you get a developer account, can you back, or like, what do you call it, like backup or clone uh, an Apple TV? Don't think so. Not, not. I thought a developer could, yeah. but no. Well, here's the good news is when I, when I got my 4K, whatever this latest one is, um, it was, it was, it was, um, re- real easy to set up just for what it's worth. Uh, and I know people talked about this, but I just want to underscore, I want to, you know, send my plaudits to Apple for, I feel like they are clearly making strides to make the first run, or as you say, onboarding, uh, make the first run experience way better. You'll remember what was it? Seven, iOS seven or eight. People started doing those like, here's how many screens you have to go through mm-hmm. before you can use your new phone. And at a point, it got funny, because I feel like it was like over 20 screens. <laughs> it was really, really bad. And they don't make it really clear to you that, for example, after you do an upgrade, you do a beta, you do a dot upgrade, and it wants you to reenter, you're this and you're that, maybe you got to redo Siri. You can skip wallet, like you can skip a lot of that uh, and do it later. So like what I prefer to do, like if my daughter's thing gets updated, I prefer to skip all of those things re-enter her iCloud info and then and then go back and fix everything because like at least then you're kind of like wired to the world you know what i mean right but it was um it was really neat i mean the one thing uh there's the thing where you like you know this but when you get your new one you put your phone near the device and I guess it's a, like a handshake of some kind, but it like remembers a lot of your stuff. And I, I feel like it remembers maybe 
I don't think it remembers every single iCloud-ish login, but it does make it a lot faster. Here's what was really amazing to me is that with one really glaring exception, almost every app that I use regularly, almost on Apple TV, does that cool thing now where it points you to a page and has you put in a code and then pairs it up. Right. So, I mean, like, I think I'm pretty sure Hulu did that. Yeah. Um, so that YouTube, saves you from YouTube having to, makes it, to yes. enter in all your passwords and everything. It'll say, go to this URL and then it'll give you a code. You type in the code, usually four characters and you're, you're yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. And the only one that doesn't do that uh, is Netflix. Um, and, but it's, you know, that's not terrible to do it for one. And thank God now we've got the app back on the phone for being able to use a keyboard, which is fantastic. So my advice there would be open up one password or similar, copy out the password, you know, you're going to need quickly jump over to the remote and you could paste it right in from your phone. It's, it's, it's mental. I, I get the dots will echo thing. I think that probably made a lot more sense in the early eighties, but like, I do kind of like, it drives me nuts. I'm trying to teach my daughter. This is going to be a whole, I think this might be a topic on tonight's rec this. We're finally going to talk about kids and uh, password hygiene and how the schools are utterly failing at it. Hmm. Um, oh, so bad. But like I, I said to her, like, you know, this is, this is not like military grade op, uh, infosec, but I said, what I would say is open up a new note, type the password. You're pretty sure it is. Look at it. Say, is that, does that look like the password? Yes. Copy, go to the app, paste it in and see if it worked. Now, there's so many, ben- there's, I mean, obviously there's some security downside to that, but there's so many benefits to that. On the one hand, you get to see the password that you typed. You don't, you, there's no doubting that you got it right or wrong, right? And then if it doesn't work, like copy that line, paste it again, make it the password you think it should be, then use that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, each time, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not, it's just mental to me when people are expected, it's, it's another one of these terrible paradoxes or ironies about how it really encourages you to dumb down your password, which is not a great idea. Well, they're not doing as good this season. They're down a little. Um, What do you mean down by what measure? Oh, you know, you look at, you look at the internet science site and they'll tell you when you look at the episode guide for something, it'll tell you how many U S viewers it had. Hmm. So it only had 0.6, only 0.68 million viewers for the first episode. Walking Dead's getting like in the like seven millions or so. Anyways, it's a very good show. Wow, is he directing this whole season again? I think he has to. Yeah, he is. He, he is. Look at that. But you're saying it's wow. not. Do, it's doing point six million. Well, I mean, this is obviously this is problematic. But like, okay, S one E one, one point seven five million viewers. S two E one. 1.04 million viewers. S3 E1, 0.68 million mm. viewers. Mm. You know, and, and yet everyone, and this is a funny thing. Maybe this is a topic. Mm. Everyone I know seems to watch it. And so yeah. I was reading an article maybe yesterday. I think it was on that site, Quartz, mm-hmm. uh, com. I think is what they are. And it was talking, a very interesting, talking about how for, um, at least when it comes to political tweets, how people who are um, of either on the right or on the left, when they tweet, that they tend to, their, their tweets about political topics generally tend to reach only the audience of like-minded individuals. In other words, if you're mm-hmm. um, a super liberal and you're tweeting 
the people who are reading your tweets and retweeting your tweets are also going to be super liberal and their followers, et cetera, will be super liberal, et cetera. And so that there's very little cross pollination into the other side of people who are, you know, like super right wing or um, even, or even maybe more importantly uh, to a non side to an, I mean, yes, there's very so, little so take what you're describing. And I bet that's, you know, a factor of 10 on Facebook, but the way that they mm-hmm. choose to present stuff, but no, right. I, I agree with you. I mean, part of, part of the problem is that what you, what you will see in your travels is usually you'll see all the people you mostly agree with. And then really extreme examples of people who are the opposite of agreeing with you, but it's the people in between who may have not that strong opinion as either side that you don't see as much of them maybe. And they don't yeah. see as much of either side. Right. And like, but, so you actually end up with these three groups. You've got these two groups of five percenters at either end. Right. And then there might be some group in between. That's just like, ugh, you know, get me out of this. But what's interesting about this and the subtext of this, I did find the article. It is in the show notes, but w- something that's, that's fascinating to me about all this is if it it kind of is a um i and i'm sure you'll know the psychological term for this but it, the situation that you're in when it seems like everybody that you know and talk to is of the like mind to you in other words all my friends watch mr robot well i know that yes. clearly a lot of people aren't watching it if it's only getting 0.68 million on the premiere episode that's not most people but yeah. the people that I know all seem to be watching it. And so yeah. that it, you would think it's the same kind of thing with the tweet. It's like, oh, everybody's tweeting about the same stuff. That's, and that's actually – that's a good example. I, I, it sounds like, very roughly speaking, it's an example of confirmation bias where you tend to seek out, notice, and internalize stuff that tends to confirm what you already believe right. rather than challenge it. Right. Um, but you're, but you're, I mean, you're, that's a good example. It absolutely does make sense. And another way to look at it – I don't know if this is true as it used to be. I have to imagine it's somewhat true. It's like, well, is that the right 0.7 million people? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm guessing it probably is. I'm yeah. guessing it's very much in the demo that they're going for. You know what I mean? I always kind of felt that way a little bit about stuff I do online where, and it's very, obviously it's very different. We're talking about totally different numbers, mm-hmm. different orders of magnitude, but I've always been like, you know, the the last people I'd ever want to lose are the are this handful of people that I really hope like what I do. Yeah. And like I would not want to do anything to put those people off in a way that would theoretically please ten times that many more people that don't really care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, luckily I have the the privilege or the the honor of being able to do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. TV's I listen to uh, as I said before, I listen to um Jason's podcast, Jason Snell's podcast with Tim Goodman. From the Hollywood Reporter, and it's just basically it's just the same theme every week, which is just it's insane that there's 400 TV shows. Like it's it's so crazy, and th- you could have a show like Mr. Robot in this case, like a show that if that show was on, I'm pulling this out of my butt, but if that show was on 10 years ago, it would be the ultimate in prestige viewing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way you would miss that. Or like I've been watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is so good on Amazon Prime. It's a very very good show, and like I I don't know. I mean like it's you could choose from any of like 50 extremely good shows that have come out like in the last three months to watch tonight. It's really overwhelming. Yeah. There's too much. And at the same time, there's never anything on. I know. 
It's totally true. Well, sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Like I, I really like Godless, but I, having gone through the first two and a half episodes, I keep going back to finish watching the third episode. And each time I put it on, I'm like, mm, this is too, a little bit too toothy. I need something, I need something sillier. I'll go watch bass videos. Yeah, again. you know, I'm feeling the same exact way and I'm into, I think the second episode of Godless now. And it's like the first one, I just didn't even know any, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I don't Isn't know. Who by the time you get was. to the end of that first episode, though, aren't you pretty intrigued? Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to keep going with this, but it is, it is a, you know, it's a, it's, it's kind of heavy, heavy, yeah, 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 but but awful good. Um, yeah, there's a really good inter- interview with Amy Sherman Palladino, uh, the woman who does, go, uh, excuse me, does marvelous Mrs. Maisel was also the woman who did um, Gilmore Girls. I just read a really good interview with her about her style of how she does. I'll try to find for notes. While I'm looking for that, Dan, would you want to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you all about LinkedIn Learning. Oh, LinkedIn Learning. You've heard of them and you may have known their content from lynda.com. That's what they did. They acquired lynda.com. They have all the content in there now. Linda has been doing this stuff for the past 20 years. And they have really, really amazing content in there. And what the point of this is, if if you want to learn something new, if you want to learn a new skill, you want to get better at something on computers, you want to get better at something in real life. I mean, they've got these amazing, what we in back in the day used to call screencasts. Uh, They have these in great abundance on pretty much any topic that you could possibly be interested in. If you're wanting to get better at business, they've got courses on that. If you're wanting to learn design, they've got courses on that. If you want to get get into Google Analytics, you want to learn Adobe software, you want to, um, I don't know, master QuickBooks and do your own accounting, like whatever it is that you want to do, they've got a course for it. All experience levels, tons of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies. I mean, you name it, they have a course on it. And what's really nice about this is a lot of these courses, you know, they might they might be in that hour-long range. It might be longer than that, but they're designed in such a way so that you can jump in and learn a particular skill and then get back out again if you want. You're not required to say, oh, this thing is going to take two hours. I got to go through this whole thing. You don't. You watch at your own pace. You learn at your own pace. They have, uh, they've got, like project files you can download. They've got quizzes that you can take. All of this stuff is built in to the way that uh, LinkedIn Learning works. And it's taught by industry experts. They're passionate about teaching what they know, and they're very, very good at it. No hidden charges or upsells. All the courses that you want, all for one monthly price, available worldwide. Learn on your computer, your tablet, your mobile device, you name it. And they've got a special situation here just for our listeners. 30-day free trial. If you go to linkedin.com slash back to work, again, linkedin.com slash back to work, it's all lowercase, and you will have full access to every single video. Watch them as many times as you want. Watch as much as you want. Try it out in those 30 days. See if it's for you. Probably will be because you're going to learn something. And uh, we sure do appreciate their support. LinkedIn.com slash back to work. And remember when uh, when you support the sponsors and go just, just going there to check it out, you're making this show possible. So we appreciate that. We appreciate the support of LinkedIn Learning. Thanks, LinkedIn Learning. Buck, buck. Mm, 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 mm. You saw that Spider-Man Homecoming movie. I love that movie. It's pretty funny when, um, what's the wonderful, wonderful line where the guy rings the bell and he's like, false. And then Martin Starr says, <laughs> he says, I've warned you about using the bell for comedic value. <laughs>
<laughs> he's great in that. He's he, in that he's Silicon so Valley show, right? He surely is. Yeah. He's the uh, the Satanist. Right. Oh, I love, uh, er, not Ehrlich. Um, oh, I forget already. Oh, my brain. My brain is a, uh, is a what? It's a porridge, maybe a puddle. Uh, dug a, dug a, dug a follow up. We've got, uh, uh, this is interesting. A fella, a fella who has a video over on that, uh, Leo Laporte network. Uh, Vincent. Oh gosh. Vincent, Vincent Price. <laughs> Vincent Price. Don't, 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 don't. The guy in Thriller. Vincent. Oh God, I'm going to massacre this. Rasa, Rasa Nielo. Vincent Rossaniello. I don't know. Uh, who, who's a, well, let's go read about Vincent. Vincent is a, a virology professor and the host of microbe.tv. And apparently turns out, hi, Vincent, a listener to this program. We were talking last week about flu shots and you were mentioning how you had heard that they, the flu shots this year may be less effective because they didn't have the right stuff. That's what I heard. For, yeah. I read that. Yeah. 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 But anyway, uh, Dr. Vincent, uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peel, Dr. Vincent, Dr. Vincent, uh, Dr. Mr. Bob Dabalina, Vincent, uh, jumps in to say, <laughs> on recent B2W discussion of flu vaccines, Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, on recent B2W, how's it going, Dan? Big week. Good. <clears throat> Dr. V- Dr. Vincent says, on recent B2W discussion of flu vaccines, uh, our handles, there are three viruses in the vaccine, even if one is mismatched with circulating strains. Vax will still prevent severe disease slash death, and others will still provide protection. So they well, say. I kind of un. I yes. Well, he that's probably he's probably part of big big vax. Yeah, he he's he's big pharma writing us. I'm, George I know better Soros than that. is writing checks to Doctor Vincent. <laughs> that's right, Mr. Okay, Dabalina, well, thank, Mr. Bob Dabalina. <laughs> thanks for your email, Big Pharma. Um, sure do appreciate it. Everyone, go get your flu vaccine. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. Uh, big big vaccine says vaccines work. Whoa! Thanks for that. Oh my God! Shut it down. We got it all figured out. Oh, anything and else? This is uh, the risk you take when you email helps your this show. T-zone. <laughs> you need to relax in your T zone. Thank you, Doctor Vincent, for that. I appreciate that. I'm sorry if I massacred your name. I apologize. I'm trying so hard. I think it's very insulting to make fun of people's names. I'm trying to stop doing it. Not you know, or to pronounce it wrong for comedic value. I'm trying to stop doing that. Yeah. That's why I say with so much respect, Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. We ever into that song? Do you remember that? Uh, my understanding is Mr. that there's two. Two versions of that song. One is the monkeys. What? That that apparently the term. You thinking of Daydream Believer? No, like that came from the monkeys. Like the inspiration oh. for that somehow. I'll leave this okay. as an exercise, to the listener. But yes, I, well, I love that. No, song. we got we got a lot of sponsors. We got time to kill. I'm sending you this video. It's from Dell, the Funky <gasps> Homo Sapien. Yes, who I think is in Gorillas. Uh, he, he might be, and or was. I, I just had a, a, a brain flash of something I needed to tell you. So I'm making a note. I'm sorry. I just did. That was derailed for a second, but this is something okay. we have to talk about. But oh, continue. Okay. Please continue. I'll, no, that's all. I'm just adding this to notes. Now let's find out if Dell, the funky homo sapien is in gorillas. Was, I think he's a, finally someone let me out of my cage. Isn't that him? Dell. I think the so. Funky homo sapien. I think he's the big guy. He's the big cartoon character in that. I'm looking it up. <clears throat> Let's see. Early life, middle life. You know what? It doesn't matter. Uh, I'll put him in show notes. Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah, put it is right he from, in. Is he from Oakland? Is he from around here? I feel like, yeah, he's from Oakland. Okay, duga, duga. Uh, Dan, you had a topic. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a topic. Uh, I Something very interesting happened to me over 
uh, since the last time we did it. it happened yesterday. Did you join a cult? No, I really okay. want to. I know they won't let me in. Ah, uh, but I want to. Maybe I'll start one. But so he, I'm going to send you a video that I posted to Instagram because I don't correct me for, and I'm going to send it to you over messages. Um, I'll be there. You don't. You, you're not a big Instagram person, are you? I don't have an account. Okay. Uh, this should still work. I'm going to send you a couple of videos as well. Uh, so here's another one. These what should just in the hell. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah, and so I took it apart. So that's what the next videos are. Oh my when I took god! It apart. Yeah. What in the hell is? Wait. So okay, describe to our listeners. You you got something in the mail mm-hmm. from a company. It looks like probably a startup. Mm-hmm. And inside, you know, like those greeting cards that play you a tune? Like, it's that, except you got a video in a card. <laughs> yeah, it's a, they basically... <laughs> oh, you tore this thing apart. Oh, yeah. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> I'm a technology guy. You are. You're a seasoned technologist. Um, Look at that. This looks like an unboxing video gone horribly wrong. As someone said to me when, when I showed it to them, uh, they said, uh, oh, the company sent... Uh, they mailed you a YouTube video. Basically, this has... This is from... S- some kind of company that seems to be. Do in not the, mention the name, please. I won't. It, it seems okay. to be a PR focused company it, talking about uh, employees or something like that. I haven't that. even said the name of this company and the words already burn in my mouth. Yeah. Um, what they sent me was large. Digital, digital advertising. A digital advertisement. It's a large, thick, heavy envelope. Uh, that I not even envelope. It's almost like a book and you open it. And when you open it, there is It looks kind of like, you know, like when you get an electronic device and it comes with a little folder yeah. full of stuff. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Where yes. you got to untuck it and you pull it out and there's like little brochures and a warranty and stuff. It's, it looks kind of like that size, maybe just a teeny bit thicker, but it's very Perfect. thin. It's thinner than a double album. Yes. And you open it. And just like a greeting card that plays a song, when you open this, there is a, uh, there is a video, mm-hmm. and and by that I mean there is a little screen. There is a little flat screen that you know is playing the video, and you can pause it and fast forward it, and it comes with a USB it looks cable. Like it's about the size of an iPhone Seven. Yeah, no, it's um, not an iPhone Seven, but in terms of giving people a sense of the screen size, yeah, uh, maybe a little smaller than that. A little uh, smaller, okay, and uh, and so it. Um, it, it it starts playing and it and it's like a full video of a guy who's like growing his business and other things that he wants to do and is and, he growth hacking Dan and then it then it cuts over to the CEO of that company who then gives you a short lecture on how they can help you with your business but as you can see in these um in these uh, videos that I posted I'll maybe I'll put one in the show notes uh, I ripped this thing apart almost instantly as soon as i got it back to my office and this is a lot of work yeah there's like a little circuit board on the back of the screen and the buttons all have little wires to them and there's a speaker and it's sort of embedded in a kind of foamish padded material but this was a bizarre thing well i of course i tweeted about it and a number of people got back to me and said oh you know i've worked at a company where we we used to use these or other people saying i've i've sent many of these out and they're very effective and Anyway, interestingly, the cost to the company sending it is between twenty and fifty dollars for them per to, unit. Yes, shoosh. Can you wow. believe that? I mean, I guess I could see it for a like rich white people wedding invitation. 
Oh, yeah. I could see it for board of directors, something, something. And I guess I could see it for if you're going after a big fish. But I mean, I, I know. And I know by the way, every- I'm, I'm none of those things. I'm, I have well, no idea why I would receive this. It's completely misdirected coming to me. I mean, I, it couldn't possibly be more wrong. Well, yes, but just to, to play the other side of that a little bit, to somebody for whom this is the answer to like an insane idea, it's an insane problem, like it's going to be way worth 50 bucks to send this to that person, right? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not thinking like they're thinking. They're they're looking like for, for the whatever, they send out 100 of these, let's say, and that would be a lot of money or a thousand even. But if they get three customers from this who buy this kind of service, right? That's multi-million dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be. Um, I, I take I take your point. This is a pretty costly thing to just It's a out. costly thing. And, you know, you always hear about that. Like, um, Did you find that on the site? That that's what it costs? No, that's what I, somebody on, on Twitter told me uh, oh, that, that it cost them as a company to produce and to, to get these made and send them out. That's what they he, he told me they would cost. And I believe it because these screens, uh, I mean, I instantaneously took it apart and dissected it and I snapped the screen in half because I wanted to see how it would look. And, you know, all of that um, that goes into it. These are, you know, these are nice little screens, you know, mm-hmm. they're better than the screens that we had on, you know, on our flip phones years ago. I mean, they're, they're, it, it looked, it was very watchable. Yeah. Even though the content wasn't, um, the screen was fine. So you had kind of a mixed impression about it. On one hand, it sounds like you think it's, you tell me, kind of a technical marvel, but you're also kind of scratching your head about why you got it. Well, yeah, I don't know why I got it because it completely doesn't apply to me. But the the idea that somebody would, t- I don't know. For me, this is a turn off. This is not, this is like not, like it's impressive, but it's impressively bad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if somebody's it's a, little bit thir- it's a little bit thirsty, as the kids say. Yes, that's a great way to describe it. I mean, the idea that there's a company that's spending this much money to market something. Oh, and I, by the way, there was a book inside of it too. There's a paperback, oh, nice. paperback book that they want me to now read. Is it about growth hacking, Dan? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is, um, uh, can I say the name of the book? Mm, I, I would feel so much better if we did not give them even an iota right, well, it's not of that. credit for this. But it's it's a book. Because then, then guess what you get to say? Hey, yeah, but you're talking about it. Yeah, right. So anyway, I don't know. I mean, I have not read the book. I will not read the book. And mm. it's it's just so weird. I don't know. There's something wrong that a company would spend that much money to market to me and and like I can see some sort of stuffy office type getting this and be like, these guys are legit. Like, look what they sent to us. Look how important they are. And uh, they're really, you know, but for me, I see this. And I'm like, y- you are wasting so much money mm-hmm. that like you could have employed for, for the money that you spent sending these out. You could have employed several people all year, you know, and like, that's what I think about it. Like your weight, you're just flat out wasting money. Sending, but this I mean, stuff. they're an ad company. They they do. <sighs> they're selling to people who want to advertise things. Pui. No, I mean, I I don't. I'm I'm just trying to say, like, like I don't. I personally wouldn't do this, but I'm trying to think of it from their their point of view. And it's like, okay, here's another one. Like, you know, you travel. Like, you go through an airport. And I don't know if it's like this at many other airports, but especially in San Francisco, uh, there are all of these very large. Um, how would I describe them? 
identity based ad campaigns where it's like it's basically something something database. It's like there's not it's not you know your enterprise blah and it's just all, some of the companies I've heard of some that I haven't a lot of Salesforce of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just see these giant 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 ads and I'm like that's so interesting. Like I wonder I'm what they must they're I'm okay. So follow my reasoning on mm-hmm. this. Like it's can we probably agree that getting an ad for buying a giant, giant, giant ad for software in the San Francisco international airport is probably not a trivial amount of money. No, it can't be. Couldn't be. Right. So like, if you want to get Salesforce, like you'll see this sometimes at uh, train stations downtown where they'll do a buyout, um, or, you know, block, whatever you want to call it. They do a buyout of a whole station. And so not only are they like, um, they've got like decals and cover covers on the trains. They sometimes, but they'll also do like the entire area of Bart and Muni will be tricked out in like one company. Casper's done this. They're, well, like you'll see on every pillar, on every wall, they'll just buy out the entire place. Um, so I mean, when I see that kind of advertising, it's so heavily based on like brand recognition. You know, it's is it about the F's and B's? Yes, but it's really about like it's a Coca Cola NASCAR kind of ad. Like I really want you to know the name of this company. So. My point being that, like, I bet that an ad at a San Francisco airport costs more than I would even imagine. It would not surprise me if it was six figures or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I'm mean, right. I mean, you figure like a 30 second TV ad is like, uh, you know, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars something like that. I think, yeah. Well, if you do that for more than a month, you must think you're getting something back from it. There must be some ROI. Or maybe it comes out, you know what I'm saying? There must be a reason in this case. Like, I, I think this is clever. If this is what, if this is the kind of thing they're trying to sell to people, if I'm the kind of guy who's in the market for moving my product in a very competitive, maybe even a commodity space, and I get something like this in the mail and it catches my attention, right? I think I'm very likely to go like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to remember the name of this, this douchebag company. I, th- I think that, I think that makes sense. And, and, and to their credit, yes, we are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Even if we're like slagging it, mm-hmm. it did make an impression. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. Um, sometimes when you do those sorts of calculations, you know, a lot of people have pointed out <laughs> what you could buy with Matt Lauer's salary, for example. Oh, right. Like you could hire like 300 journalists <laughs> from one wow. year. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 I mean, something like that, right? The point being that like sometimes when you put things in terms that are that stark, like you look at it, and you go like, oh man, this is maybe obscene, right? Like <laughs> the idea that this kind of thing got sent to you, you have no desire. Like the idea that this is what the technology has led to feels almost like something out of Brazil where you're like, <laughs> or like, or like you're in the back of a cab. And a screen comes on that you can't turn off. And like, there's like the filthy controls to theoretically deal with it. But basically you're stuck watching. You're like, oh my God, you know, all these hundreds of thousands of years of, of civilization have brought us up to the point where like, I have to watch an ad for payday loans in a cab or whatever. And you're like, this is, is this what we've got for this? This is, this is the result. Mm -hmm. And you're saying in this case, now, now if you were this company, how would you reach out to people? Oh, probably like this. I realize it's I mean, not your it's not your racket. Yeah. Probably the way they're doing it, I guess. I mean, if you're going, you know, there is that argument and this was again but going kind of going back to the fireside thing is like when I was starting it, I was really trying to figure out pricing for it. You know, I was really trying to figure out uh okay, if if we want to do this many downloads, if we want to do unlimited downloads, do we limit the downloads? How much are we going to have to spend on bandwidth? You know, will w- what would be affordable for for people who are using it to, to buy. And, you know, there's that argument of saying, well, if you make it 
uh, you know, if you make it cheap, like eight bucks versus mm-hmm. if you make it 200 bucks and there's that argument of would you rather have a thousand customers at ten dollars or a hundred customers at a hundred dollars you know wh- wh- which is which is a better uh philosophy cost of acquisition for R- what you're getting right and so i feel like like you mentioned for these guys you know one one customer would make potentially or, or three customers would make this whole you know hundred thousand dollar campaign or more worth it you know, S- setting aside that this is the kind of thing you would put in for like an advertising award that would get you a lot of attention. Right, right. right I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it didn't. It didn't work for me. I imagine there's a lot of people who it, it wouldn't work for, but it didn't work for me because a, it's not applicable to me. But b, I was put off by the fact that there is a company that would spend that much on something like this with the the sort of um, self assuredness, the cocksuredness. Of mm. of course, like people are going to love this. Like, just watch the mm. reaction, Bob. Watch the reaction. Hold my beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hold my beer. And, and the fact that that all of that technology and the cost behind that goes into an ad for advertising, and it's a it's also a waste. Like, yeah. how many you know people in India died making this screen? Three. You know, Good but shot. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do, I do, I like, do. And yeah, what's there's, it there's resources? Do? There's yeah, I get what you're saying. It's one thing to have an iPhone for two to five years and another thing to like throw all this like and if you're not looking at this i mean i'm sitting here watching these videos loop in iMessages. <laughs> there's a lot of components yes in there. there are i mean there's a lot that goes into it it has to be manufactured and put together and i mean the just the screen alone like mm-hmm. it bothers me that that something like this would be created just to be a disposable marketing tool yeah yeah right 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 um, like I'm very opposed to things that are disposable, you know, um, things that, that are a one-time, I mean, you know, yeah, there are a lot of one-time use things and yes, we have a Keurig in our house, but I'm just saying like the, the idea of like the things that I get, I try to make everything that I purchase, uh, be something that will last something that will be, uh, have great value to me while I use it, be repairable if it breaks and, uh, and potentially be something that that could be passed down to another human being to use if and when I no longer need it or can't use it anymore. Our washing machine a couple days ago started getting into this thing where um, it, it can, would continuously run the spin cycle and it would continuously like it would spin it. And just at the point where it would start to be dry, it would reintroduce water again and then spin oh, it again God. and just That's keep not good. Yeah, and just keep <laughs> doing it forever and ever and ever and ever. So we had the repair guy come out who we we've used before and he's great. He came out and he's like, "Okay, yeah, this is fixable. Uh it's going to cost about $200 more than just buying a new one." So right. we're basically throwing our washing machine out now. You know, I saw, I saw somebody on, on somebody on political Twitter mentioned that they needed to get toner or, you know, ink for their, for their printer. Yeah. And it was actually cheaper to buy a new printer that came with ink. Yeah. It's, and, and that's, that, that's troubling. And the what new printer will be like even that better. The new printer Merlin will be better than the one that they had. So there's not a reason to buy the ink. And if anything, I think this is why the ink is so expensive yeah, is to encourage model. Right. Yeah. To, yeah. To buy the new thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't do a lot of research on this, but I, I can just say with confidence that the best bang for a buck, if you're, if you want to get in, advertising and getting your product out there the single best thing you can do is to buy uh, a sponsorship spot on a small to medium sized podcast wouldn't you agree I 1000% agree yeah 
Give me a demo. Tell um, me something you like. I'll, I'll tell you about a company called Slack. Slack. Know it. I got it. I use it. You use, you've heard of it? I, I have. I've heard of it. <clears throat> They're so clever. I had to re-log into my thing and I two-factor my stuff. And they make it so easy to like two-factor your way into things. It's just one of the million ways that I really love this. I love muting. I love going in and like, there's things I don't need to know about. Like, don't tell me about. It lets me like make sure I never miss things that are really important. I love the way they break out into channels. I love knowing that there's so many channels that I'm not in. It makes me so happy. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I mean, no, it's I, great. Like, I'm I sitting here looking at, looking at one of the podcast networks I'm on. Like I've got these great little one, two, three person conversations going on. I had a little nice visit with CGP Gray. Like there's just, there's a nice, it's a nice little thing. And you don't, if you are careful about it and you're smart about the culture, you don't get overwhelmed by too much stuff. Like if you can wangle that with Slack, you can make a good company for yourself. It's a great product. Tell me about Slack, Dan. Uh, Slack is a messaging app that brings... Messaging app for teens. <laughs> for teens. I'm still, I'm still getting flack. I'm still getting flack about that. It was really? probably two years ago. Oh God, Yes. I thought I was saying teens, but apparently no matter how I say it, it comes out teens. Teen, well, people hear what they want to hear, Merlin. I hear that, They're going to hear what they want to hear. But this lets you communicate <laughs> better with your friends, with your coworkers. Everyone has a shared workspace where your conversations get organized and are accessible and uh, ideally preserved. And what's really nice about this is that you can go back in time and so for, here's an example. I use this for Fireside. So all Fireside customers are, are in, or if they want to be, are in the Slack and they can ask questions and they share podcasts with each other and little tips and things that they found for using Fireside, but also just like podcasting in general. And they have these great conversations in there among each other. And then they'll come up with a feature idea. So I have a channel called Features and people will say, oh, well, what if the thing worked like this? So like a lot of features have come out of just listening to what people uh, say or, or do while they're using it and they can you can paste images you can drag an image right into your slack window and it'll automatically upload it for you and mm-hmm. all this stuff is built in and what's really cool about it is people can talk about a feature and instead of having to do have this slow process of back and forth email you have this lively conversation among a handful of people saying yeah it could do that and it could do this you know it's like one of the features that i just rolled out that came out of it was um, adding like bulk, way to bulk add or remove a host or a guest from multiple shows. And I designed it 100% based on the feedback of the people in Slack having that conversation. And like a wow, few hours nice. later, it's a feature. There's so much that you can do with this. They've got an Android app. They've got an iOS app. These things are always synced up. So you can be sitting at your desk, having a conversation, mid conversation, shut your computer off, grab your phone and continue as you walk to the elevator. Like it's, it's just genius. Uh, it has tons of integrations with things like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, uh, Google Drive. There's a thousand apps, I think. That GitHub that one's a pretty important one, right? Uh, I love GitHub because if you're a developer or if you're working on a project with developers, you can have GitHub uh, commits and things like that pushed to a channel. So it might be a channel dedicated to that that you can just sit in and whenever a commit happens, you can see it. Super useful if your developers are in other time zones or they push out an update. You can see it right there. You don't have to worry about even having the developer say in a channel, I just pushed those things. No, it shows up right there. I and mean, tons of great stuff. And uh, they have a little slogan. It's, it's Slack, where work happens. Hmm, I like that. I like it too. Uh, so go check it out. Slack.com. That's it. Slack, S-L-A-C-K. Slack. 
com, and we appreciate their support. And I'm thrilled to have them as a sponsor because this is a product that I live in pretty much all day. Slack. Super bad. Keep it plaid. Nice. Mm. Buck, buck. Dan, I'm I'm frustrated. Um, I wasn't going to mention this, but now I'm seeing a response from my, uh, my my Twitter people on this. Did you ever watch the TV show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete? That sounds familiar to me, but I don't think I have. Uh, what was it on? Was it Nickelodeon? It was a. It was on in like I want to say like the early nineties. Uh, on Nickelodeon, it's about these two brothers named Pete and Pete, and it's really it's 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 really funny and silly. Toby Huss. Toby Huss is in it. He plays Artie, the strongest man in the world. He was, uh, he, you know, the guy who's the whiz on Seinfeld. <laughs> He's the whiz and nobody beats him. Oh, right. Toby Huss, also the voice of, of, uh, of, uh, Mr. Khan in, um, in King of the Hill. Toby Huss, Toby Huss. Oh, okay. Anyhow, the adventures of Pete me. This is one of those things that just makes me, it drives me bananas. And I guess, I guess this is something people are feeling very acutely in places like Netflix, but the adventures of Pete and Pete. So long story short, uh, we love Home Alone, the movie. And we definitely watch it around Christmas time. We've been having a little Christmas movie festival lately. We watched it the other night. And I said to my lady, I said, oh, I forgot Pete is in this. One of the two Pete brothers. He's the red-haired kid who's not like a main character, but one of the kids that goes to Paris. And I was like, God, don't you think we should show Adventures of Pete and Pete to Eleanor? I bet she, she's got such a weird sense of humor. I think she'd really like it. And so I went. And because I'm a gentleman, the first thing I did was I talked to the dingus. And I said to the dingus, I said, <laughs> Adventures of Pete and Pete. And it found something on iTunes, and I was like, yes, iTunes, you get me. And I went, and I opened it up, and it was just like, sh- it wasn't the real series, Adventures of Pete and Pete. It was like short films about Pete and Pete or something, but it's not the actual show. And I thought, oh, that's okay. I'll go to, I'll, I'll, I'll get in my little boat, and I'll row out to all my little islands. Maybe it's locked in Hulu, because Hulu results, for probably all kinds of technical reasons, don't show up in a Siri search. That's fine. I'll go to Hulu. Guess what? You got no no Pete and Pete on there. I thought, hmm, this is interesting. So I go to Netflix. They got no Pete and Pete. They got things like Pete and Pete. When it shows up in the results, you're like, yay. And you click, they're like, here's things that are like Pete and Pete. They got no Pete and Pete. So I say, okay, uh, right. As they say in England, I go into the Amazon. I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's on Amazon video. They don't have it on the Amazon video. Okay. So, all right. I've reached the court of last resort. I will now go and uh, overnight myself uh, Adventures of Pete and Pete DVD. But it's out of print. This this delightful TV show. Oh wow! It began in 1989. Mm. Is that possible? Wow! Look at that. Uh, yeah, it's out of print. You got to buy a, a used DVD. Is the only way to watch this beloved TV program. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but it surprised me, and it was kind of frustrating, and it seems silly to me, and like it's gonna be interesting. I bring this up partly also because, like I said with Netflix, a lot of people have noted that. If you want to watch a Netflix original, you want to watch like a, if you want to find a movie that's been released in the last 10 years, there's probably a pretty good chance. Well, you can definitely buy it on iTunes. You might be able to stream it on Netflix. Maybe it's on Hulu. Probably not. Hulu's not great for movies, but it's interesting how because of the way streaming has gone, there's this weird, maybe unintentional memory hole of stuff made before like the nineties mm-hmm. that for all kinds of reasons, you got the WKRP reasons, right? Like it's difficult to do because of music licensing. There's all these kinds of reasons. Um, you know, I think sometimes people were a little bit fast and loose about rights and the perpetuity of rights and certainly could never have imagined how you'd have to renegotiate that for streaming. I don't know. Does it ever seem weird? It just seems strange how like there's certain stuff from like before the mid nineties that like 
it just seems to be kind of gone. And unless, I guess, unless they do like a DVD or a Blu-ray re-release, maybe it just doesn't get remastered in a way that you could even stream it. I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, there is a lot of content and who is up there deciding what we should be able to watch nowadays versus what we shouldn't like who, well, it's who, funny who says given it's that okay. we just complained given that we just complained about how there's too much stuff to watch it <laughs> sounds know. like a strange thing but but you know what it is partly it's that you know there was that time where i considered my itunes collection and itunes match to be this like this temple of like excellent metadata and i treated everything well something something things move forward i could get it mostly from streaming apple music sometimes the metadata would be wrong but i eventually got to where like i don't really think about my music collection as something i curate anymore i don't care like i used to care i've been i've been taught not to care or i've been encouraged not to care and to just you know let go and let god and find it somewhere out there right it you know so like if that's some kind of obscure b-side well mm-hmm. that just could be gone yeah and i wonder if that's kind of what happens with tv and movies where i don't know this is probably a dumb topic i just think it's interesting that in this time where like there's such a long tail you could go to something like hulu like if you really dig into hulu well until recently i think hulu had like the criterion collection i think that got broken off into its own thing right but they used to have every criterion movie in hulu it was nuts and then, like, now you can go into Hulu and, like, you can watch freaking Adam 12. Like, you can find these fairly obscure, like, 70s shows. I don't know. I just think it's, a, I think it's interesting. We're definitely not at the point yet where you can find everything you want legally, let alone illegally. Yeah, there are so many movies out there that I've been, like, thinking of. Like, I, as I mentioned, I've been watching the director's uh, commentary for, like, every movie that I like that I have yeah. that where I can get that. And th- as, as directors seem to love to do, they will refer to other movies. And so I was watching the director's commentary for gone girl. Mm-hmm. And a number of times he referenced, Fincher? yeah, Fincher. And he, a number of times would reference, he'd say, Oh, this was like in, um, in malice, which is an Alec Baldwin movie. And I know that I saw malice and what was it? 1993, but I can't really remember any of it. It's like now I want to go back and watch Malice again just so I can put into context what he was talking about, you know? And yeah. and, and so it's little things like that, but it, it doesn't make sense when you think about, okay, like what if that's not on Netflix? What if that's not on Hulu? And why would it be? It's not like it was some amazing movie that has withstood the test of time and, and probably and hasn't suggested things like can i stream it can be good but in my experience can i stream it is frequently way out of whack with what's actually available for both false positives and false negatives something happened with uh, can i stream it where it used to be great and yeah. then within the last i feel like the last year maybe last two years it I don't know. It's gotten to be very slow, very inaccurate, very unreliable. But what Netflix will do that I understand why they do this. But like if you just go there right now and type in malice, Mm -hmm. you'll get the end of malice, basic instinct, perfect stranger. You'll get a whole bunch of Nicole Kidman. Things that are like malice. Right. A whole bunch of Nicole Kidman movies. Uh, some shows with Bill Pullman in it, and these are people in the obviously in the movie. So it's smart enough to know what malice is. It's also smart enough to know it doesn't have malice. So what it's doing is it's saying, well, here's some other, but at no point does it say, I'm sorry, uh, we don't have malice available, but right. here's some things that are similar. It just says in very small white text, 
explore titles related to malice. Yes. Yes. And you know, things like that, like where am I supposed to go to get it? Really? I I I they're not your dad. Like they're not supposed to be like the helper for you finding, but I, I totally agree with you. I had the same thing. You were speaking of director's commentaries. Um, I really liked baby driver and I was listening to a, it wasn't a commentary, but a discussion between Edgar Wright and I want to say, Oh God, who was it? It was some big time director talking about, um, baby driver and how baby driver is part of this. There's this kind of this weird quiet lineage of movies about getaway drivers. So if you know baby driver, you might know, um, driver with, uh, Ryan Gosling, which is really, really good. Another great getaway driver movie. But both of those movies are extremely beholden to a 1978 movie called the driver with Ryan O'Neill. So Google that and look at that poster. How cool is that poster? The Which is driver. like the can, one of the canonical getaway driver movies. And I was like, oh, this is so great. And I kept talking going on and on about this. You know, this was this great movie, the, um, the Driver. And I scoured. I went everywhere. Every legal route I could find to get this movie. And it was not available anywhere. I'm granted it's a 1978 movie about a getaway driver with Ryan O'Neill. But still. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it, there's no. Oh, look at her hat. Isn't that a great poster? Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, what a great poster. That's uh, Isabella Johnny. She's awesome. Um, she kind of went away. It was oh. weird. Walter Hill did this. The guy who did uh, all those other movies, Walter Hill. He did like, uh, I think he did like 48 hours and stuff like that. I think he did, man, I might have done Bullet to the Head. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I guess what I'm saying here is that like, it's funny how there, there doesn't seem to be too much of a direct correlation between things like, you know, how influential it was or what you'll see. You'll, you can go find your citizen canes and stuff like that. I guess probably Hitchcock, but I don't know. Mostly I'm just bitching. It's just frustrating. Cause like I would, I've reached a point where like I, I, the problem that used to exist at a large scale has been mostly taken care of, which is that it used to a take a very long time for stuff to become legal to buy. It used to be very costly and it used to be a pain in the ass. Three strikes. Let's look for another way to get this. Well, the truth is I'm fine to pay $14 for this movie that came out four months ago. Like I'm totally okay with that. And, but now I'm really craving that for other things that I'd like to have. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, it's a very strange economy. Everything should just be available to stream for free right now. Yeah. That'd be good for everybody. Everyone would win. Everyone wins. I think we can all agree, though, that the the best way to get a big bang for your buck, if you're looking to really get out there, whether you got a movie, uh, you got a new album, uh, whatever it is that you want to do, the best bang for your buck is to definitely buy a sponsorship spot on a small to medium sized podcast. That wouldn't you agree, Dan? That's the biggest bang for your buck. I've never heard it put that way, but now yes. that you say it, I fully agree with you. Now that you say that, I agree. Yeah. Hmm. That reminds me, did you have anything else to tell me about that you like? Yeah, this is a really cool new thing. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this is, a, I think, up your alley. It's called Motive. Motive. It is a... Okay, as you know, I'm not a huge fan uh, for for me, for the way I li- for my lifestyle. Hmm. I'm not a big fan of the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, look at this thing. Yes. Oh my God. So, I, I'm kind of left out or I have been left out of the whole, you know, I listen to Merlin every week, talk about blah, his blah, blah. fitness tracking. Oh, blah, I just track in my sleep. I'm awesome now. Like Ooh, I'm look b- at me. become the perfect person. And, mm. uh, but I'm, you know, I'm admittedly a little jealous, a little jealous. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
for a lot of reasons, I think there are people who might be looking for uh, the ability to track their activity, their heart rate, their sleep. And now there's a new way to do this. And it is a, it is a ring, a ring, a ring that goes on your finger, finger that, ring. that kind of ring. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, very cool. It's 24 seven fitness monitoring, sleep tracking, all of this in what is probably one of the smallest fitness trackers, like anywhere it tracks, like I said, activity, sleep and heart rate, but it's just a ring. It's a ring on your finger and it's very, very cool. It's very lightweight. It's durable. It's a sleek design. It is waterproof. It's made out of titanium. It can basically withstand any element that you'd be, if you're willing to put your hand in it, it can withstand that. And it's less really? than, yeah. And it's less than no kidding. Point 0.1 inches thick. It weighs less than a penny and it comes in a slate gray and a, a rose gold. I don't know how they made this thing this small. I don't know how they made it waterproof. It has apparently, I read about this, and it has like a curved circuit board and a curved battery inside of it. Jiminy. And, uh, and so it's, um, it syncs up with your iOS device wirelessly. So it uses Bluetooth. But I haven't noticed any effect on like battery have life. You, are you using one? Yeah, I have one. How'd you get one? I got one from the Motive uh, people. How do you get the right size? It's a ring. Oh, right. So they send you uh, an at-home try-on. So they send you a a sizing kit after you order. So step one, you order it. Then they send you the sizing kit. That has like all these rings. Now, they're not like exactly standard ring sizes like you get from a jeweler. So they send you their own kit and it comes with these plastic rings that you just put on. And once and and they, you just wear it as long as you want to wear it. You can wear it like for an hour. You can wear it all day. You decide which finger you want to wear it on, and then they say, "Okay, this is so you're a ten or whatever." And then you tell them, "Okay, I'm a ten. You put in your code, and then they send you the actual ring itself. And what's really cool about this is uh, it comes with two magnetic chargers, and so there's these two little. On the bottom of the ring where the sensor is, there's like a little place where it, it you put it on top of this charger. And the charger is just a tiny, it looks almost like a USB thumb drive. It's super tiny. Whoa. They give you one that plugs in and then one that you can use on the go. It has like a keychain thing around it. And you can charge the ring from empty to full in less than 90 minutes. Wow. And you don't have to charge this thing every night. So it's good for sleep tracking. There's no need to like open an app or push a button. It automatically tells when you fall asleep, when you wake up, it calculates your resting heart rate while you're asleep. Like all of this stuff is really cool. So of course I got the uh, titanium one mm-hmm. or the uh, slate gray. They're all titanium. I got the, the slate gray one. And it this thing like... I was, I have to be honest, I was a little suspect. Like, what is this thing really going to work? Like, how do you, mm-hmm. it works great. Uh, it tracks all the stuff that I've been caring about tracking that I haven't been able to track. I mean, it just works. The app is great. The data is all right there. You can see how you're sleeping because you, I don't, you know, like, I never want to, I don't want to sleep with a watch on. Yeah. You know, so but it does all of that. It's great. And um, and and so here's the deal. We've got a special deal for people who want to learn about this. The URL to go to is my and now it's spelled M-O-T-I-V. So it's M-Y-M-O-T-I-V dot com. My motive dot com. And you're going to get 20 bucks off your first order if you use checkout uh, at checkout the code back to work. All one word. So that's M-Y-M-O-T-I-V dot com. And back to work is a code. 
You try this. It's very cool. Mm. Tracking everything. It does look now. cool. You can work oh, out I, with this I, thing on. And you can pull that big rope you like, and it doesn't hurt your hand? Pull, yeah, you see me on the rope? I think I saw you pulling a big rope. Yeah, really I, whip the, I do the ropes. Yeah, I do everything in there. Mm-hmm. You can do it all you can do that with the ring on. Why not? I don't know. There's don't even need a reason. No <laughs> ease. No, nobody said this was going to be easy. Um, O-T-I-V, motive. They should send me one of these. I want a sizing kit. You want to see if we can get you one? No, don't worry about it. I like to track things, Dan. I know you do. I'm the tracker. He's a tracker. And one thing is you can, you can, it it syncs automatically, Hmm. uh, but you can make it sync when you want to by twisting the rings. You just turn the ring around on your finger, like as if you were sort of absentmindedly playing with it. You know what I mean? You just spin it like that and that like makes it sync with your phone right then. It's pretty cool. Jiminy, that's cool. Yeah. So give it to him one last time. Where should they go for this? M-Y-M-O-T-I-V dot com. Enter code back to work when you check out for $20 off your first order. Back to work. Thanks, Motive. Thanks, bop, Motive. Bop. <sighs> it's a better idea than that uh, video card deal. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's see. PowerSaveMode.h. We got some, um, still got some feedback and questions that we could go through. All right. I thought this, this is a good one. Oh, you know what? Um, I didn't talk to you about this. You can cut this out if you want. We got, we got, uh, last week we talked about a listener who had recently left a job. Yes. I was wondering how about how it went. We said, hey, you know, let us know more. They let us know more. I think I'm going to let it go because I don't want to hurt this person's OPSEC. I don't want them to be discoverable. So, okay. um, but thanks to that listener for giving us, um, we'll, I will respond to that email offline, but thank you. Enough said. Um, listener Rodrigo writes in. I thought this was a very interesting idea. You know, listener Rodrigo bragging a little bit here, but okay, whatever. Listener Rodrigo says, how do you come to terms with knowing a particular career path won't pan out for you? So now you're saying to yourself, that's really bad, right? Like, obviously he's really sad. His yeah. career path didn't work out. Yeah. Okay. I'm currently a graduate student in an, in, in an ecology related field and also a musician that writes his own songs has been in a couple of bands. My music career has not really gone anywhere while my academic life seems to be taking off. Oh, poor thing. Starting to get <laughs> published slash asked to work in other projects and groups. Oh, boo-hoo, Rodrigo. I'm sorry, I kid. I know this is a problem. I love both things that I do, but it is becoming really obvious that music won't be my career path and maybe it will just be a fun thing I will do with my friends. Do you have any advice in accepting this fact and stop being hard or mean to myself for not being able to make music my full-time job? Uh, I kid, but thank you, listener Rodrigo. I have advice for him. It's a good question, though, isn't it? A fantastic question. Yeah. My advice uh, for him is that, that he should accept this fact and stop being hard or mean to himself for not being able to make music his full-time job. All right. Let's button this up. All right. I, uh, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I, I did also want to say I'm simpatico because I, I, I can very clearly recall various points in my life, particularly in college. Cause like in college life is getting a little bit closer. Like you can see life coming at you a little bit more, but I remember a lot of red lines that I drew in college about things I would never do or people that I would never be or situation. Oh, I'll never be like that. Like I'm a neo-Marxist. Like why would I be like that? And, um, I think it, the thing is you might look one like listener Rodrigo or someone else. You might at one point look back at that time and go, wow, 
it might even seem kind of crazy that I thought I was going to be, be a musician. Like I never would have met my partner if I hadn't right. gotten this job. And like, I, and that's not much consolation to you right now, listener Rodrigo, because it's still a very fresh feeling. But I just, I, before we talk extensively, I did want to say, I feel you, uh, not in a mean way, but like, I do feel what you're talking about because especially at a point when you're finishing school, you're in school, like you do feel those pangs of like, Oh, I, I'm at a point now where I do have to choose a path. It's right. one thing to show up for college, not have a major, you know, just sit around and, and drink beer out of a cup for a couple of years. But at a certain point you realize even at that level, or especially at that level, there are things you have to overtly say no to. And that might be the first time really, really in your life, maybe that you feel yourself. It's one thing to say like, I'll choose this school over that school. Like if you have the option to go over to one college over another, believe me, you're doing pretty good. If you got into more than one school, like that's a good kind of problem to have, but you already feel that pang of like, well, not only am I making this decision, but I am tacitly now leaving this other piece behind mm-hmm. at least for now. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be very uh, poignant and, and difficult. And, and if I may say for myself, it can sometimes make you feel like you're being disloyal to who you think you should be. I think think you just hit on the the core of what his issue is, because I think this has to do with his own concept of himself, of what he is or was or thought he was going to be. I totally agree. And I'm, I'm being at this point, very specific about really feeling like when I was in, you know, really for the last couple years of college, I didn't know what I would do after college, except I knew that it would involve something around being a professional writer. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was pretty fantastical. I thought I would probably be in the Atlantic and stuff like that because I'm so funny. And it felt like all, you know, everything was coming up Millhouse. It really felt like, you know, there was this spooky action in a distance where everything was pointing in this direction of me writing from, for some prestigious, you know, publication or five. And that, that's what I pursued. Right. So that was, and that turned into things like writing things for local papers, doing all kinds of little freelance gigs. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to drag me into this except to say that I, when my life then took me in a slightly different direction from that, I kind of still felt like I had this, you know, kind of some toilet paper on my existential shoe of like, Oh, I'm supposed to be the writer guy. Like this is good as a way to have a job and pay for things. But like that, I'm not supposed to be this guy. I already declared myself to be that guy. And like, so I, maybe maybe we can agree on this. Like, there's there's kind of at least two parts to it because it's always two things with me. You know, one of them is this genuine feeling of like, how can I put this? There's there's the feeling, the very realistic feeling of like, oh, it it is it is poignant and strange to have a, a, a fork in your career, to have to make a decision, to decide to move to this, this city or that city, to go to this college or that college or whatever. But I think you're onto something though, that second part of like, oh, and consequently, part B, I'm sort of agreeing to be somebody I didn't think I'd be. Right. And I'm kind of abandoning what I thought my plan was. Right. And maybe, maybe the, yeah, the dream, the passion, you're kind of saying, well, na- now I must really be an adult, right? Because I'm making this compromise of my own integrity and give, setting my dreams aside so that I can pay the, you know, pay the rent. That's that. There's that word again, integrity, yeah. where you feel like you've, you're cutting into muscle in some ways by doing that. But you're saying, don't think twice. It's all right. You're saying, don't, you're doing the right thing. Yes. I'm, I'm, quoting him back to himself because he already seems to know the answer. And I think it's perfectly okay for him to do that. I think it's perfectly okay because guess what? He's in the real world now and the real world is 
you know, it doesn't mean that you need to give up your fantasy. It doesn't mean you need to give up the dream that you've always had of being a writer or whatever it is, being a musician that you want to do. Like you can still do that. But at some, you know, my, my goal when I was, when I was, I guess, a teenager starting high school, I, I hated high school. I was not looking forward to college. I just wanted to get through it so that I could start my real life, so that I could start doing mm-hmm. the things that I wanted to do. And a big part of that for me was just any way that I could get to financial independence. Financial independence represented adulthood to me. And I wanted very badly to be an adult, to be in the world, to be able to say, here's how I, for the most part, how I want to spend my time. Now, little did I know that uh, that's a lot harder than it seems, but but you're but you're identifying two important things, I think, because it's always two things with me. Where it's <laughs> it, it, it is, don't you think it is kind of very much like uh, a sense of arrival, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've I've ticked off all the boxes. Yeah. I've done things the right way, and now I'm ready to arrive. And when I arrive, I will have this financial agency. And then the other part that's a little trickier is, and I'll also now that now that I'm the dad, as John Syracuse would say, I get to make these decisions about my life. But further to that point, I now, I now have super agency <laughs> title. Oh yeah. Now I now I get to decide how this life of mine is going to go. Right. It's right. you know sort of like whatever feeling like oh god I want to get to where I can go to an R rated movie I want to I want a driver's license I want to vote I want to do all these things and doesn't it kind of feel like that's that's the finish line that's presented to you in some ways it's like once you're out of college there's no reason for you not to have super agency and why not hey who says you can't do both can't you right. can't you do your science ecology gig and also still play the steel drums or whatever like can't you do that you're you're a super agent now this is this is something I feel like maybe there's not really a decision to be made at all. Maybe what you're saying is maybe you can't right now make full-time living as a musician, but if you do this ecology thing, then guess what? You've got your evenings and weekends. Uh, now you can be in a band or just play with your friends or play at a coffee shop or whatever it is that you want to do as a musician. Like You can do that, and now you've got a, a, a platform to jump off of to do that and make it possible. And you know what? If your goal and dream is still really the musician thing, uh, Mm -hmm. then, then guess what? Live as cheaply as you can save as much money as you can and buy yourself, you know, work hard for a few years and buy yourself a year where you can just be a musician. You know, I mean, that's a launch pad that you'll have that you wouldn't be able to get any other way. And maybe he's listening and saying, Oh man, like two years, three years, that seems like forever. It's really, really not that long in the scope of your life. It's also that um, this used to be a kind of a running joke in the early days of this program is like, are you sure you still want a race car bed? And I, I, that's not, I don't mean that to be as dismissive as it sounds, but what I, what I mean by that is every time we got a new catalog from Sears, there would be these items that I would see in there where I would be like, if I got this, I would be so happy. And one of them was like, could be like Return of the Jedi curtains or whatever, or uh, not, not Return of the Jedi. I was 15 when that came out, but like Star Wars sheets. Like I would be happy if I had Star Wars sheets, but the canonical example might be you go like, holy crap, what little kid gets a bed that's a race car? I don't know anybody oh, that has a bed yeah. that's a race car. Like I would love, I don't even, I'm not even that into race cars and I would love to have a race car bed. This would be so cool. And that becomes the thing you fixate on and you get to 12 or 13 and maybe you're going, Oh, you know, I'm actually at a point now where if I saved up, I could probably buy a race car bed, but you don't right now. And again, I'm not trying to sound dismissive to listener, uh, Rodrigo, but you know, double check. Are you sure 
you want to make a living as a musician. I, I, I say that without judgment or, or glare, but it's a tough gig. Mm-hmm. It's a series of tough gigs. It's, uh, it requires a set of skills to actually make a living as a musician. For most people, you are earning so many different tiny amounts of money from so many different places, so many high stakes things. Your health insurance isn't covered. There's so much stuff. And I'm not trying to talk anybody out of that, but like it is worth going like, you know, do I really, is it the music that I love or the business of music that I love? Because if it's the business of music that you love, you'd already be really good at it or you'd already be out, right? The question that is an untested thing. Will I make money as a musician for, you know, a career? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, if you haven't done that yet, you're probably not gonna, um, so, but then on the other hand, and then I think, I think the fallback a lot of people have is, Hey, listen, you can go do your science gig. And, uh, what are the kinds of things he says you're getting involved with projects? You can do that. Hey, but you can still play the bongos on the weekends or whatever. Right. Well, but you know, but maybe you can't cause now you got different stuff you got to do. I, all I, all I can really say is this. I hope this is helpful or I hope this is a salve in its way is that it might not be as big a deal as you think. I'm not saying I'm not trying to be reductive about the career path you were leaving behind or setting aside, but like in the fullness of time, I, this is such a sad answer, but it's actually not. It's, it might not be as big a deal as you thought. If it turns out to be a race car bed, you might be really fine with a futon for a while. Honestly, you'll, you'll, you may be okay. If you feel an overwhelming, if you sit around and you watch your friends, struggling to make a living as a musician you go wow i really miss that you could always go back to that and again i'm not trying to talk anybody out of it i i do think they were talking about this a little bit on chapo this week about this kind of mythology around privilege and anybody can be president and like you know it's something that black people and women have known for a long time is that a lot of that is really not true not everybody can be president for so many reasons there's a certain group of people that are much more likely to become president than this other group of people. Like it's just, it's, it's radically more likely to happen if you're this particular kind of person. And we've, the conversation around that is awkward and difficult to have. But in some ways, I sometimes wonder about that, that bootstrap, you can be anything approach that we pound down people's throat. You know, I sometimes think it's not that inspiring and it's not that useful and that it's kind of fantastical. It's mm-hmm. one thing to sit around and play a play a tennis racket and act like you're Pete Townsend, and it's another thing to have genuine angst about whether you're living what's supposed to be the life you were intended to have. And I, I, again, I'm not trying to you know yuck on anybody's yum. If you want to do that, you can do that. But like the truth is, like a lot of that is you've been sold. You've been sold that idea, not, not, not Rodrigo in particular, but all of us have been sold this idea that, you know, as the chef says, anyone can cook, that you can have any job you want as long as you're like, ooh, you, you got the grit and the whatever. And the downside of that is you might end up getting really disappointed with yourself about stuff that you don't really need to be disappointed about. And, and maybe even most corrosive of all, you will stop noticing opportunities for stuff that you're already kind of getting great at because you're so busy fretting about what you think you should be doing. Mm. Right. And life's what happens, you know, when you're busy making other plans, as the man says. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's true. Like you don't want to get to a place where you're doubting yourself or you're putting on uh, blinders because you feel like you were, you were supposed to be what I don't the next Eddie money. Like, I don't know. 
(laughs) Yeah, I think that's what he's thinking. Well, Rosanna's daddy had a car she loved to drive. She stole the keys one night. She took it for a ride, and they were shaking. (sighs) Snapping her fingers. Mm. Up and down and round and round. Shaking. And I, for myself, like, I don't know. That's kind of a baller move to realize that, like, it's very difficult to change your, to kind of change your rack mount super fast. (laughs) Pull way back and say, like, well... You know, let's look at what's really happening here. Let's look at what I actually have shown myself to be good at. This is such an old back to work point, and I apologize, but sometimes we get so fixated on the thing that we are not yet that we lose track of the thing that we already kind of are really well. And, and so, I mean, again, in the case of music, this is frequently turned into a very unsatisfying thing of like saying, well, maybe you should be a music accountant. It's like, well, <laughs> no, I mean, that's not really that fun. Now you're doing accounting for deadbeats. That's no fun. But like, but maybe there is something. All I'm saying is that like <sighs> a really dumb, annoying thing about growing up even a little bit. You know, you've heard so many people, your teachers and your parents and your guidance counselors, and everybody's always feeding you this, these, these lines about the world and the future. And some of them are realistic and some of them are not. But a lot of times they're really trying to sell you their dream deferred. And they're trying to get you to buy into their mythology about how America works. And the thing that's difficult is to be able to look at yourself and go like, well, I, maybe I'm actually, I forget that I did pretty well in scouts and I'm really resilient in these situations. And maybe I'm pretty good at dealing with difficult people. You know, and maybe on the other hand, I'm more vulnerable than I'd like to be when I don't have the money that I would like to have. There might be conditions that are already trying to nudge you toward, toward making a decision or seeing something more clearly before you make a decision. But it's very difficult to notice, let alone analyze and implement those things if you're so busy beating up on yourself because you think you're not the person that you were supposed to be. That's not, that's not a good feeling and it's not a good way to go through life. And you will eventually get to a point of being broken like us and going, well, like, what can I savage, salvage from in this month? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, that's, you're not going to die until you're dead and then it won't matter. So go do ecology. It's a good thing. And you know, you, you might know be able to help more people with ecology than you would have with your music anyway. Like, what if his yeah, music was, like, really a downer? Like, what if it was, like, really depressing or something? Oh, yeah, it would make people want to hurt themselves or something? Yeah, and so, like, point. maybe we're, ecology is saving him from harm, harming people. It's just, you know, even, like, I, I get you, and, I've, you know, we're joking and stuff, but, like, there's there's something that's so um, condescending about this whole, like, oh, you can still play your fiddle on the porch kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, well, yes, that's true, but, like, you know, ask yourself what it is you're really leaving behind. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think what you, as somebody who's, uh, done a little bit of music stuff, what you may be leaving behind is a very difficult life that is super hard to sustain, especially today. And then, yes, yes, yes. Your people, the aunts and the uncles of the world will tell you, yes, oh, you can still go finger your trombone in the root cellar. Like, go do your music thing when, for fun time. It's like, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if you were that driven to be a musician, you'd already be a musician. There's the, the universe, as they say, is it might, might be trying to tell you something, which is like if that hard scrabble world of, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this guy actually is doing wedding gigs and making $10,000 a weekend. I don't know. Right. But, but don't tune out the other voices that are trying to whisper things to you. There's the big voice that has the PA system that's telling you to go, go do music. But like, there's probably other little voices that you could be listening to that are telling you, you know, Hey, this is, this is going to be all right. You know, and, and, don't rule out the fact there may be other things that you become interested in along the way. I don't know. I, I feel bad when people are hard on themselves about this. Yeah. Because it's not 
that useful, but I just want to give you, and as much as I can, Rodrigo, I'm not ordained, but I want to give you the benediction to, to, to feel okay about completely walking away from music. I know you probably won't want to, but I'm going to say you're allowed to do that. If you end up wanting to do music stuff more, that's good. Make that part of, and however you want to do that, that's okay. You can do that, but don't half-ass your efforts in this other thing it's not going to benefit you to half-ass the, the thing that you are now dedicated to because you, you're pining for this life that didn't turn out the way that you expected. You're not doing yourself any favors with that. I give you the benediction and the forgiveness. Go and ecologize. <laughs> Takuna Matata. Is ecologize a word? Mm-mm. No. I think we can all agree, though, the best bang for your buck if you have a product you want to get out there is to put it on a small to medium sized podcast, you get yourself a sponsorship <laughs> ad spot. Dan, would you tell me about a fourth and final thing that you like? I'd love to tell you about fresh books, fresh books, fresh books is simply amazing. Simplifies tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid online. They drastically reduce the time it takes for over 10 million people, including me, including Merlin to deal Hello. with paperwork. Hello. I I would like for that's you how to, the library elf gets paid. <laughs> that's how he just says hi like that. I received your payment. Thank you. Well, that's the thing you can you can tell when someone has seen the invoice that you sent with FreshBooks. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell all of these wonderful things about your business by seeing, uh, for example, what invoices have you sent out? Which ones are due? Um, when when uh, customers are supposed to pay you? Uh, all of these wonderful details that are kind of, I remember before I was using FreshBooks, I felt like there was a million things I was juggling all at one time. Which things have I invoiced for? Did I accidentally send out an invoice for something that I'd already invoiced for? Or wait a minute, I actually found out when I started using FreshBooks and put everything into it that I was owed a whole bunch of money and it had just slipped through the, this is embarrassing, it just slipped through the cracks because I had not properly collected on the invoices. I hadn't invoiced for things I was supposed to invoice for. FreshBooks, you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. When you put the invoice in there, it keeps track of it for you. It can tell you when that invoice hasn't been paid or if it's late. It can even send reminders out to your customers, reminding them, oh, it's been 30 days. You need to pay this invoice or 15 or whatever you set it to. It can do all of that. And what's brilliant about this is it's been rebuilt from the ground up. Custom built for the way that we work. It's customers and the, 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 the most important things about it, they were able to determine, you know what? This is what our customers want. We're going to drop the stuff that's not that important and focus on the stuff that really works, that people really, really, really use. That's I'm, a great approach. Little things like multi-currency invoicing. And I mentioned online payments. With two clicks, you can get yourself set up to receive payments online. So when you have a customer, it's like, oh, can you take your credit card? Well, yes, I can. Oh, can we pay online? Yes, you can. Uh, all of this plus great support, super friendly people with zero attitude, a real live person will answer the phone, usually three rings or less. Amazing stuff. And, and they have a special URL, freshbooks.com slash back to work. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. You'll get an unrestricted 30-day free trial, no credit card required. And then when you're signing up, you make sure you enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section. I know that a lot of listeners have already tried FreshBooks and they're on board with it now. But if you have a small business, medium-sized business, you're a freelancer, this is going to change your whole game. 
It's a great service. I've been using them long before they were a sponsor, and I've been recommending them, and now uh, they're supporting the show. So I really appreciate that. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Use the code back to work. Thank you very much, Freshbooks, for making this show possible. Thanks, Freshbooks. I would not think of using another service for that at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they may come along, but very satisfied. Mm-hmm. Mm, happy daddy. Mm. Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan. It's been a big week. You got anything else this week? Anything else going on, you mean? Sorry uh, for the program. Got no Pete and Pete. We got virus follow-up. Dan's ATV problem. I want to hear more about how that goes. Elegy versus eulogy. A uh, name for the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I got one more thing about shaving prep, but I'm, but I'm going to wait for that one. Oh. We can do it if you want. What? Yeah, let's it's do kinda, it. You really want to? You got time? Yeah, I mean, for you. Mm-hmm. I've, I, this has come up several times before but it's worth re-upping listener ben okay mr man i say that like uh, in misery mm-hmm. okay mr man mm-hmm. you've been teasing us long enough or i simply haven't heard every single little self-contained audio unit in which you've taken part what is step by step your method for preparing your chin whiskers before shaving i believe i'm somewhat close to quoting you when you said you could figuratively shave with a butter knife after your preparations mm. i suffer from particularly sensitive skin and I always seem to have the issues when I shave. Please reveal your secrets. I can make this sh- short, like pretty short. I think it's, I have a pretty straightforward approach. What, what's your shave mm, situation nowadays? Me, I'm using the, um, the Braun series. Is it a series seven or series nine? I always have to look it up. It's it's, an ele- you use just an electric shaver. You're all in on electric. That's, that's where I am doing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to do one or the other. Yeah. You can't, you know, going back and forth is rough because I think your, your skin changes or something. It feels like it changes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll keep this short because I I have talked about this a lot. My position on this is that you should find a style and quality and feature set in shaving blade that you'd like. So you could just use a safety razor. You could get a Harry's. You could do Gillette's. You could do whatever it is you do. You'll eventually find a razor that you're happy with, but it's my position, and, and there are some that I prefer. To be honest with you, um, I still use Harry's. I really like those. I actually do really like those blades. I do too. I mean, I actually have some arriving today. I have real talk. I actually use those. I buy them with my own money. That's not important, though. What's important is that if you do what I do and you're a real weirdo about it, uh, the blade that you use becomes less important. This assumes that you're not that you're doing um, non-electric shaving. And basically, the nut of it is the most important part is is that you use lots of moisture, lots of wetness. Um, the big parts are I'm a shower shaver. I got a shower shaving mirror that I use. I believe in you don't have to do this in the shower. If you have a big fancy bathroom with two sinks and stuff like a big shot, you, you're fine doing this at the sink. I would say the most important thing that you can do is to really before you shave before you're getting ready to shave is really wet. However, you might want to trim it if it's super long, but really wet your beard with hot water and then use something to soften it up. And there are options here. You could use a shaving soap. You could use a shaving, like a pre shaving cream, like a fancy cream. Yes. You can use olive oil. Olive oil is actually really good for this. Olive oil will soften things up very, very nicely. Another thing that I do sometimes I use such cheap shaving cream. I will frequently cream up my entire shaving area with the plan of washing it off and starting over. So, The easiest way to do this, I feel, is to get a hot shower going, get hot water on your beard. In my case, I use like foamy, like Mm -hmm. that really cheap, Mm -hmm. or Barbasol. Like just 
like like know, what your a, grand grandparents would have yeah, used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, my daughter, uh, she either squirts it all in the tub for fun, or she makes slime with it. So I'm frequently low on shaving cream and don't know it until I'm ready to shave. Um, because children are bad. But 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 the easiest way, if you're just doing like a quick day to day shave, and is like shaving cream is so cheap. Like just foam up. Now you know, depending on how you like to do your shower ritual, I'll wash my hair, wash my body. And that means that shaving cream is sitting on my face with the hot water for probably f- at least five minutes. To soften everything. Soften everything up. Now, rinse off the old shaving cream, put on new shaving cream, and do your shave. If you A-B test that, you're going to be really surprised that that time of letting it be moist and wet and softening up will make a huge difference when you shave. And now, almost any blade will work a lot better and a lot closer and especially if you have sensitive skin, it'll work out a lot better. So really the important parts are, yeah, yeah, pick a blade you like, but hot water plus something to pre-soften before you shave. And and Max Temkin makes fun of me because, yes, I do use, I have used olive oil, but it works great. Olive oil works really well. You don't need to buy fancy shave oil to do that. You can do it with just olive oil. Did I mostly get the answer, you think? I think so. Yeah. I tried, Max kind of talked, we did a shaving challenge on Dubai Friday and I ended up trying to go back to the safety razor. I couldn't make it work. I even got like pretty nice Japanese blades, mm. but I, I couldn't get into it and I was cutting myself pretty bad. Oh, it's not good. You, can, you don't want that. So I'm back on the Harry's. Well, I want to throw uh, something into the mix and that yeah, is- Yeah, please. Um, at some point, what if you were to swap out the olive oil for something like jojoba oil? Well, Max, when Max was in Italy, he actually bought me some very nice, very fancy shaving soap. Mm, Oh, yeah, with a brush, right? You use that with your brush. You can use that. Well, yeah, there's a whole bunch. You can get ProRosso. You can get, there's a whole bunch of like, uh, you get in a tube usually. Um, And I've got this little like a rubber shave cup that I use that won't break in the tub. You You could even put a shaving soap in that. I mean, honestly, do whatever feels good, but... You might want to try by experimenting with just real cheap ways. I would say maybe don't use typical like deodorant soap on your face because I think it'll dry it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you're going to, you want like an oilier, uh, like don't use Dial, I would say. With all respect to the Dial family, you get a nice, you really, you feel like you've been through a car wash after you use Dial. Mm. You probably don't want that on your face. I would say something that softens and moisturizes is a good idea. Uh, and that could, I'm just saying, don't feel like you have to nerd out and like go to a special bespoke shaving pop-up. Like you can do this with stuff that's in your kitchen and your bathroom right now. Oh, and the other thing is when you're done, rinse off with, I usually use cold water and I put lots of witch hazel on and that, uh, tightens things up and you're less likely to get stubble afterward. Very nice. There's no other show out there that's going to give you so much help on so many different fronts. In just one episode. In literally just one episode. Don't you think, really? I, there's no way. There's, there's just not possible. If you, if you were looking to take your ad dollar and extend it very, very far, wouldn't you agree that a small to medium-sized podcast is the best place to get an ad spot, as they say? Yeah, I mean, that, that getting an ad spot on this, on a show yeah. with this kind of content? This kind of content. I mean... Yeah. I mean, you know, I defy you. I defy you to, to show me another program that helps like this. There isn't one. No, I checked. All right, have we helped people enough? Yes. You don't want to Mr. help too much. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. <laughs> Mr. Dab- Mr. Bob Dabalina. It's in show notes. All right, Dan, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.